Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out this latest episode. Today, we're going to talk about when do we deconstruct? When do we do that? What's the appropriate time to do that? Is there an appropriate time to deconstruct? On my last video, we talked about is it wrong to deconstruct? And I talked about everybody deconstructs. However, we're seeing just a little bit of a progressive deconstruction where it, it takes the place of written word and content and that your words prove more powerful than uh, the text which has been written, okay? So if I can just um, backtrack a little bit and remind everybody about the previous video, I'm going to leave a link up at the top so you could check out that previous video if you want more because I'm not going to really break down and elaborate again what deconstructionism is. But I just want to remind everybody for people who are watching maybe for the first time or haven't seen the other video yet, uh, Jacques Derrida is the person that came up with this idea and this term of what we call deconstruction. Okay. And for Derrida, the most telling and pervasive opposition is the one that treats writing as a secondary to a derivative of speech. Okay. So the writings are secondary to what you say and the interpretation of your speech and how you portray what is being interpreted on paper and or your own construct. Okay, in language of how you to how how you interpret certain things. Okay, and so um, deconstruction is something that we all do at one point or another. However, um, we have to be really careful when we approach the Bible with a sense of um, deconstruction in the sense where our speech is more important than the writings, okay? That the derivative of speech is more important than the actual structure of the content, especially in terms of the word of God. That's where we gotta be really careful. So my speech and my interpretation of it must bend and bow to the word of God. Simple, that's, that's it. That is the nature of scripture is the nature of God, that it is not our interpretation that supersedes scripture, but it's scripture that supersedes our speech and our opinions and our thoughts. We bow to it. The Bible does not bow to us. Okay. So I wanted to just take a few moments to talk about my deconstruction journey because I did do that when I was younger and uh, I just want to talk about it for a little bit. But before we do, just a reminder, make sure you are subscribed right now to the channel. If you haven't done that, please do that. Hit the notifications button, share this content. I would love to have you follow uh, what we're going to be doing this year. And uh, maybe some of you, uh, if you're watching this through Apple Podcasts, there's some things, there's some glitches right now that we're really trying to work out um, because we kind of changed some logos and some different things. And uh, for whatever reason, it's glitching out. So if you're having problems with that, just hold on. We're trying to get that resolved quickly so that way you don't have any more problems. Okay. So let's dive right into this on my journey. Okay. So I was about uh, 22, maybe 22, maybe 21, 22 years old. And I remember uh, listening to uh, some friends talk about predestination and election. And I just remember going, man, I know the Bible says it, but I really don't know what it means. And I haven't really thought it through a whole lot. And so I began to 
to dig in and I began to study a little bit. And um, I remember reading certain things in like Romans chapter nine and first Peter and Ephesians where, you know, God talks about hardening Pharaoh's heart and he has mercy on whom he'll have mercy. And in first Peter, it talks about election and predestination. Ephesians very heavily talks about predestination and the elect. And I just remember going, what does that mean? How is that applicable to me? And when I started actually looking at it, I started wrapping my head around the concept that God picks and chooses who he decides to save. And then those that he doesn't decide to save automatically uh, go to hell. And so as I began to process that, I was like, man, this seems kind of funky. This seems kind of weird. But when I started going to my dad and I started asking my dad specifically about predestination and elect, I just remember not getting clear answers. And I remember him looking at me and going, son, you must believe the Bible, do what it says and don't question it. And I just was like, well, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> the Bible literally says to rightly divide the word of truth, you know, show yourself approved unto God, a workman that should not be ashamed. And so I am trying to do that. And then the Bible also continues to say to test every spirit, right? To test everything that has been said. And so that's what I'm trying to do to grow more in my faith. I wasn't trying to deconstruct to live a life outside of scripture, right? Like, I think that's why a lot of people deconstruct is because they're trying to make room for how they are living that is against the Bible, right? So I'm trying to find a way that scripture can affirm how I'm living and that scripture can really support my lifestyle because what it's been said and taught and preached is that my lifestyle is not congruent to the word of God. But so I'm gonna deconstruct my own path and go my own way because my speech, right, derivative, that it is over and supersedes the text. So maybe I can feel better about how I live. And that's where we branch off into things like homosexuality and, and people deconstructing that to suit them when the Bible has some clear thoughts, which hold on, I'm going to have video series on that as well. I'm thinking about doing a video series um, called, um, Does the Bible Really Say?, and I'm really looking forward to that because we're going to address some topics in scripture about what does the Bible say about certain things. And so I'm just setting the tone right now for different things. I've got to lay the foundation and I'm, I'm kind of methodical and precise about that right now. So, but we will talk about it, but that's why people deconstruct, um, for the most part, but the healthy part of deconstruction is to understand what you believe and why you believe it. And that is, that was my journey. It wasn't that I wanted to live a lifestyle outside of God's word and to do things my own way and be disobedient. It was that, God, I want to know more about this concept of your word. I'm not opposing the essential, but there's some non-essentials here that I just really want to understand more. And let me even just tackle that for a moment, okay? There are essentials and fundamental foundational truths that we need to be united upon. One of them is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And so that should be a unifying thing amongst all believers that we understand that Jesus died on the cross. He rose again for our sins. Okay. And he's coming back. That's an essential that should bring unity. Okay. The non-essentials are the things like predestination, 
election. Those are non-essentials that at the end of the day, right, when we're standing before God, he's not going to look at you and go, did you believe in predestination or election? No, he's going to look at you and say, did you believe in my son that he died on the cross for you? That's essential to salvation, okay? The non-essentials is fun to think about and fun to grow in your faith. And and some of them, you know, are um, they help you move forward to an understanding of God's love. You know, um, predestination election was one of those things that I just wanted to know more. I wanted to enhance my experience with God and be able to really figure out, does God pick, does God choose who goes to heaven or does he not? And I just remember that was a touchy thing even for my family to wrestle with because I was wrestling with it. So I remember, um, watching this video series by RC Sprawl, RC Sprawl, uh, probably one of the most uh, famous reformed theologians of our day. He unfortunately passed away a couple of years back. Um, but I was watching a video series of his called The Holiness of God. Matter of fact, uh, he, here's his book right here, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sprawl. And uh, that book really shaped me uh, in understanding how God is holy. But uh, that's not what we're talking about in, in this particular video, right? But because I heard that, I started digging a little bit more into this guy, R.C. Sprawl. And I started seeing that he was reformed. He believed in predestination and election in the sense that God really does choose who he will say. Okay, it's this concept called the tulip, all right? that It's total depravity, unconditional election. Uh, the L is... Um, Yep, the L. Anyway, um, irresistible, irresistible grace uh, or limited atonement. There's the L. L is limited atonement, irresistible grace, and then preservation of the saints, the tulip. And that's what they went off. It's based on John Calvin's theory um, of really Calvinism. And then the Reformed faith uh, really uh, adopts that particular philosophy from John Calvin of the tulip. And so I began to just study more about it. What is what do those things mean? What is irresistible grace? What is limited atonement? And uh, as I began to study it, I was like, man, this makes sense to me at the time. This will be really clear. At the time, it made sense to me. I was looking for black and white answers, and I was getting them. So then I decided, you know, I want to go to the school. So R.C. Sproul has a school in Sanford, Florida. In case you didn't know, the whole reason why my family and I are even in Sanford, that we moved nine years ago, is because of this man, R.C. Sproul, because he had a school. I wanted to go to the school, and I wanted to know more about what I believe and why I believed it. And I just want to pause for a moment and tell you, it is really healthy for you to deconstruct if it is in the purpose of knowing what you believe, why you believe it, and enhancing that in your walk with God. I'm all for it. Remember, I said the the places where it's dangerous and it's sketchy, and I don't think it's right, is when you deconstruct to then promote what you're doing and to be an advocate and affirming what you're doing that is clearly against scripture and to find your own path and your own resource and wh- whatever that may be, okay? So that that's what I feel specifically um, is wrong with deconstruction in that sense versus the healthy sense, okay? So we move to 
uh, Sanford nine years ago, went to the school, and I just remember being enthralled in the study and the sessions. I just remember absorbing every single thing. Um, and then there was another book, um, The Idea of the Holy uh, by Rudolf Otto. And so maybe one day I'll, I'll do a video on the holiness of God and things I've learned because I just got to tell you, um, we don't fear God enough um, in the sense of his holiness. I mean, Isaiah 6 is so powerful to read. Uh, even Jesus uh, bringing peace on the water with the disciples. I mean, they trembled in fear because of, there is just something about the holiness of God that should bring us to our knees, but that'll be a, a separate video. Um, but anyway, I, I continue to navigate that um, at the school and then ask questions. And I had people around me that I was filtering things with. And then I really came to a conclusion after I was deconstructing uh, of what I believed and why I believed it. And I had an understanding that for me and what I find in scripture is that God does not handpick people to be saved. And then the rest that he doesn't pick are damned to go to hell. No, uh, there's a loving God that we have free will to accept the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we have the ability to reject it as well. The Bible clearly says a lot of things in Romans 1 that he gave them over to their sinful passions and the desires, and that they were reprobate in mind and in heart, and that they turned their back on God, and he gave them over to that. And so there are also some clear steps of us acknowledging that when we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that he raised from the dead that we will be saved. There are many scriptures there uh, that affirm that it is a decision that we make. Now, uh, don't be mistaken. God draws people okay, to himself. Uh, it is not that we found God. It's that God found us and he draws us. So how does he draw us? He draws us through his word. He draws us when we find ourselves in the in his presence at, at a church service or otherwise. And then when he draws us, that's when we can make that decision in that moment. I'm going to reject you. I'm going to run from you or I'm going to accept you. And I'm going to believe that you're Lord and you're savior and you died for me and you were raised to life that I may have life with you more abundantly. But I went through that journey of understanding and I bought books and uh, th there's another book that's on my shelf right now that says, uh, the chosen by God, uh, by RC sprawl as well. And literally talks about that God chooses and, and has all these scriptures that reference, uh, the choosing of God. And, um, but however, I also have what we call the Arminian side books that, uh, really affirm that we choose. And that's what I mean about non-essentials. The non-essentials is regardless if God chooses us or we choose God or whatever that means, that's a non-essential to the fact that I'm putting my hope and faith in Jesus, which we all can agree on that we have to do. We have to do that regardless if he chooses or doesn't choose or we choose or don't choose or we stumble into it, whatever you may land and wherever you land on that right now, that is a non-essential to the fact that salvation is required to enter into the kingdom of heaven and that Jesus is the son of God and gives us access to the father. No one comes unto the father except through Jesus. He made a way where there was no way. That is an essential belief that should bring unity. Where we're finding division is that people are using the name of Jesus incorrectly and that they are not attributing him as the son of God. And I'm not going to name any organizations or places, but there is individuals and organizations that are using the name of Jesus just as a historical figure and not the son of God. And I really want to talk about that more later. I don't, I don't have time to talk about it in this video, but um, there are just right and wrong things 
and essentials and non-essentials that we really need to look at um, and scrutinize that whenever we use the name of Jesus, it should be in the context of that he is God. Now, he is a historical figure, okay? But, but don't get it twisted. He didn't come to give us an example of how to live only. It was that he would take the sins of the world on his shoulders and be the perfect sacrifice for our sin to stand in the gap that Jews and Gentiles alike may enter into the presence of God. The veil has been torn, right? And according to Matthew, the veil has been torn. We can have access to the presence of God. We as Gentiles are engrafted into the fold and the nature of, of the lineage of Abraham, right? As the Bible and Paul continues to say, because he has given his life for us. Those are essentials. And uh, man, I, I'm, I'm really pumped up to talk about some other things and organizations that I just, I, I'm just so keen, like, like the holiness of God, this book again, really transformed my heart and my mind on how we need to approach Jesus. Okay. And so whenever we are deconstructing and whenever we are figuring out what we believe and why we believe it, make sure that your goal and your intent is to grow deeper in your knowledge of Jesus and your love of him and his word to be a blessing to other people as you grow in your faith, not, not to deconstruct just so you can live a life that is affirming to your lifestyle that clearly in scripture it is not affirming. Do not do that. Don't set yourself up. Uh, that is dangerous for you to set yourself up to deconstruct, to validate your way of living, to prove that you are good where you are. When, listen, Jesus calls us to a higher standard. Jesus says we will be persecuted and that the world will hate us because it hated him. And if we're trying to fit in with the world or we're trying to be progressive with the world, I'm telling you, we're in a dangerous, dangerous spot. Jesus died not because he was progressive and cool, okay? He died because he spoke truth and he spoke life and he claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. That is really, really important. So today, I've said it over and over and over, but I need you to understand this. When do you deconstruct? You deconstruct to get closer to God, to understand his scripture more, to know what you believe and why you believe it in more greater detail, to further your faith and grow in him. You do not deconstruct to affirm a lifestyle that's clearly against the word of God, even if it's in the gray area, even if it's gray, even, oh, the Bible's not really clear. So, hey, go deeper then. Find out. Remember, we bow before the Bible. The Bible doesn't bow before us. So I hope this helps you. Listen, if you've got questions or comments, man, please go into the chat and the comments and put them down. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, sorry that this video came out a little bit later, but we've been, I've been real busy. And so, and I'm looking forward to the next videos that are coming out. I love all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you on the next one.